you've been searching for the only one who knows what you're fighting for. I got what you want. I got what you need. I got what you need. All right, what is good, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of In the Paint. I am joined as I am every time we record with my buddy, my hooping pal, my co-host, Joe. It's been a minute. What's going on, man? I know, dude. I feel like we just we've been so busy with watching basketball. <laughs> like, do you know how many times that we've gotten together and be like, "Hey, let's record tonight," and then we're like, "Now nah, we're just gonna drink and watch basketball." That's so true. Like, what last Tuesday, actually, a week ago, we're like, "All right." We're going to watch this game. We're going to record at halftime. And then we just didn't because we were drinking and watching <laughs> yeah. basketball. So it is what it is. But we are back now. We are going to record before the um, the Hawks and the Bucks game. Um, and then we'll probably watch that. and, and Game you know, five. Game five. Um, but as there's been a week or so in between or even a week and a half in between recordings, um, there's been a lot that has happened just um, off, you know, off-season stuff, things of that nature. Um so let's start quickly with coaching fires because some of these coaches then end up getting hired again. But let's go coaching fires first. Slash resigns. <laughs> slash, slash. You're right. We don't know what the fuck's slash going what on. What the hell happened? Yeah, exactly. So first is uh, Rick Carlisle, Carlisle out as the Dallas Mavericks a day after Donnie Nelson gets canned. Yep. This this is a weird scenario, man. And then not only does he get fired, he goes, I want Jason Kidd to be my replacement. Yeah. And then Jason Kidd immediately gets hired for that job. So just, I don't know what's going on over there. They have that, you know, you saw the reports of the, um, I forget his name, the shadow broker, GM. Oh, yeah. I'm drawing a blank too. But yeah, yeah. The, the, like the guys working behind the shadow or in the shadows behind Correct. the scenes. Yeah. yeah. Who used to be like this world renowned sports NBA gambler. Yeah. Who befriended Mark Cuban and now he holds a lot of power there. And there was rumors that Donnie Nelson didn't feel like he, you know, they that everybody was on the same page and things like that. So, right. so now Donnie Nelson's out. Rick Kyler immediately goes. And what's really weird is it's not like Carlisle says, you know what? I'm done coaching for a little bit. I'm going to wait for a really good job. I'm going to take some time. No, he immediately goes to the Indiana Pacers. Like the next day, like two days later or something like that, like really soon. Just a strange move by him, right? Yes. If, unless there's turmoil in the organization because you don't go from coaching a generational star like Luca to the Indiana Pacers unless there's issues around there. With two years left on his deal nonetheless, right? Correct. Like, yeah. Dips out with two years left, and he's had a history at times because he's coached at Indiana before. This is yeah. his second stint. He had some problems there before, rubbed some superstars the wrong way, you know, maybe just came off in a weird way, and then he goes to Dallas. He has the run-in with Rondo, who they do not do well together, and basically ships Rondo out, who then he goes, I think, to like um, to New Orleans. or I, He was either Sacramento and New Orleans or one of the two, whatever. Basically... Runs some, some some players out, and now we're hearing you know not that necessarily it was Rick Carlisle not being great, but again you don't leave a superstar two years with left on your deal to then take a lesser job with less superstars and less of a team, unless there's something going on. And when there's smoke, there's fire, and there was definitely some smoke, and there may be some fire that comes out, you know, or maybe it already has. Maybe that was putting out the fire. Who knows? But just seemed odd all around. Yeah, extremely strange. All right, so so next firing that I don't know. You can say if you thought it was was coming or not. I honestly didn't. 
I can see why they did it, but I didn't see it coming one year into it was Stan Van Gundy getting fired from, from the Pelicans. There's two ways to really look at this is one. He, he was horrible. Like, yes. Like he underachieved that year. Yeah. With the talent on that roster was Zion Williams for them not to sneak into the playoffs, not to even be in the play in tournament. Nope. Is unacceptable. Me, Especially when the, the lower teams, like the Spurs, like the Grizzlies, at times, and, and sometimes the Warriors, were not performing very well either. And You had prime to get into, to slide into that spot. Yeah, you absolutely should have. And you were brought in specifically to raise their level of defense and their level of defensive inten- intensity. He did not do that thing. They were atrocious. So bad. So, And the other thing is, Though, that if you're trying to build a culture and you're trying to build a team, to me, one year is not enough. I agree. So I can look, I can see it both ways. To say that I'm surprised, no, I can, because I can see why. Was it the right move? Maybe. But, you know, at the same time, who who are you going to get that's going to go in there and do a better job right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, we can just kind of inter, we can intertwine like we've done the coaching hires and fires within each one, but like, they don't have one. They, nope. You know, they haven't hired anybody. And it was rumored that, um, who was it? Was it rumored? Was that the... Jeff and Gutty. <laughs> brother. <laughs> um, it was, I'm sure there's been rumors of like, you know, people that were like your Dan Tonys who mm-hmm. were off a year basically helping out with the Nets or Becky Hammond, maybe, maybe a, a spot there too. Right. Um, but that is not a job that people may want right now based on the precedent that just happened. That's right. You know right? what I mean? You get one year. If if I'm somebody that's a new now, they may give a young head coach more leniency. Maybe they didn't give Stan as much time because he's an established coach. Like, hey, can you flip this around in one year? Can you can you get us to the playoffs? Get us to the sixth seed in one year? He didn't do it. Okay, you're gone. But like maybe Jacques Vaughn, that was the name I was thinking of. The yeah, the okay. Nets assistant, he was the guy that was supposed to be able to get that job. And he was a front runner for that job. And he just withdrew his name, which maybe he was like, fuck, I don't want that job. Like maybe he had interviews and he was like, I don't want that job. That's tough. It's a bad look for the Pelicans, yeah. right? Like, and if you are a coach, like you're not going to get a good coach there, even with Zion Williamson. Right. Simply because you let him go so soon. Yeah. So like you are almost in a catch 22. I didn't like the hire to begin with. Yeah. We thought it was odd. Like yeah. we, it, it was just kind of like, cool. Okay. It was almost like they were frantically, like they just kind of like gave up. They're like, oh, well, well, maybe it was just a one year trial all along. Like you know just I mean? uh, uh, Stan Van Gunny, yes. And like, we know if, his name. If he gets him to the Western Conference Finals, he stays. If he flames out, then he's, you know what I mean? Like maybe it was just like a yeah. one year kind of fling, and it, that's exactly what it was. Um, yeah, like we said, Jacques Vaughn was the guy that was supposed to kind of be the front runner. He's out. Haven't heard anything after that. Um, so that is what it is there. Um, but. There's a few other few other hires there. Um, Washington, right? Yes. Scott Brooks. And that wasn't even really a firing. It was, well, it was, but it wasn't. Mutual parting of ways. Yeah, sure. Which I heard actually, I heard a funny, I heard a funny standoff about like somebody saying like when you, like when you break up and it's a mutual breakup. Yeah. Somebody, somebody was like, fuck, that doesn't happen. No. They were like, so you're telling me that you both just like broke up and we're like, 
cool. Let's have fun separately. Like, no, everybody, <laughs> somebody's sad at some point, and like somebody's bummed. Now, granted, and someone started it. And someone somebody said, started "Hey, <laughs> somebody this isn't working the, for me." Somebody and then at that point, the you're just like, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> yeah, that's like, oh, thank God. No, but like in this case, Scott Brooks wanted more money. I assume Washington was like, "Hey." cool but no <laughs> chill you, out there bro you did okay but like you didn't do you didn't warrant what you're probably asking and i haven't really seen numbers but everything i read was they did not agree on a contract extension and there it is like that is i guess as mutual parting of, of ways as you can you can get but right. um have not heard anything on the front of them getting a coach either um they are to kind of just stand stand pat with whoever they're going to try to find but um is that also is a job that you may not want because you're not sure if Bradley Beal's sticking around. It sounds like he probably isn't. And someone brought this up too. I th- think it might have been Bill Simmons. He was like, hey, when guys go to Olympic teams, they become friends with other superstars and then they get recruited and then they leave teams. He was <laughs> like, Bradley Beal, check mark. Um, Damian Lillard, check mark. Like, Bradley yeah. Beal will be gone. May not be before the year, but he will be gone at some point and a superstar team is going to get him. So do you really want to take that job? It's a young coach again, right? Because it's going to be a rebuild. Yeah, it's a first time. So it's a first time. So it could be Becky Hammond. You're just like, hell yeah, like I want to be a head coach in the NBA. (laughs) No, 100%. I mean, I'd take that job. Oh, 100%. But a long-time established coach is not going to take a rebuild job where their superstar is dipping out. So anyway, like I said, I don't know who's getting that job, but it ain't. we don't know right now. Okay, so now coaching hires. These are things that have happened in the past week, week and a half. We talked on Carlisle, but what are some of the other big ones? So Jason Kidd... In Dallas, because Rick Carlisle <laughs> told Dallas, "Do it after he left <laughs> to to do it." Okay, so so strange. Let, and Kid was an amazing player. Like he, sure. he was with the Suns for a, a few years with and, Dallas too. Yeah, and I have you know a huge Suns fans growing up, so I remember the Jason Kidd uh, days and loved watching him play. Great point guard has a questionable record as a head coach. Yeah. <laughs> Questionable might have been nice. Like, he ain't great. No. And I'm not one to, like, say that people can't grow from their personal lives and, like, you can make mistakes and whatever. But, I mean, Mark Cuban has taken stances on domestic violence before. Yeah, and he's had issues with that. And he pleaded guilty to that. Yeah. So I'm a little shocked as to why Cuban was just, like, cool with doing this. Also, isn't it weird that a guy that left two years before his deal is allowed to just, like— Say who they should hire. Name a successor. <laughs> it's like Urban Meyer Ryan. This Day, ain't Urban same Meyer thing. Ryan Day. <laughs> like, dude, you ain't win shit there. I know you. Okay, sure, you took the Clippers to seven games, and you the year before you took the Clippers to he six. Did games. win a title with them. Sure, long ass time ago. A long time ago. Maybe only that one, was only one of seven active coaches. We'll that's find out that's the true. Day, we'll so. talk about that later. But. Um, I don't know. I just find it. This isn't like a success story where he deserved no. to be able to name the person after, in yeah. my opinion. If he would have lived out his contract and said he was retiring, sure. But he dipped out and took another job. Yeah. That's, that just seems weird to me. It was extremely weird. So I guess shout out Jason Kidd. I'm not sure how I feel about yeah. it. I, I always want coaches to do well, obviously. Yes. For the league, for their own careers, whatever. I'm just, just not bought on him. I'm not sold. Sorry. I'm not sold on him. I just don't buy it. I just, you know, I thought Mark Jackson would have been a perfect fit for Dallas. We there. can we can we just get so. Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson hired for jobs so we can stop hearing the A team that is that broadcasting crew? Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Why they're still throwing that out there? We'll talk about this in a little bit when we talk about some of the games in the in the conference finals. But 
Jeff Van Gundy hates basketball. <laughs> and yes. yet he still calls it and is allowed to do it. I don't understand. Yeah. But and anyway, Mark yeah, Jackson can, just doesn't have a clue as to what's going on. Correct. He's stuck in the 80s of I don't when know he what's played. Going on. But um, okay. So in my opinion, this is the mm, well, okay, maybe not the most outlandish because the one that the Celtics just did, sure, good for them. I've I have no idea how that's gonna go. But and I can definitely say I have zero idea how this Blazers hiring is going to go. And it came very much, I wouldn't say out of left field, because he was a runner, front runner, but the two that I heard were um, Carlisle, or not Carlisle, um, well, Becky Hammond, and then I guess Billups was was there, but from all accounts, it was Becky Hammond's job to lose. Yeah, so we got Chauncey Billups going to Portland yeah. and coaching Dame. What's weird about this is for the past three or four years, any coaching opportunity, we hear Chauncey Billups' name. Never gets it. Right. So this is going to be his first opportunity. And it's not like he was he's ever been a real close assistant. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, Chauncey's in charge of the defense, and you know he's running the schemes or anything like that. Sure. So I have no idea how good he is going to be or how bad he's going to be. <laughs> Correct. Like, I mean... Chauncey Bills had a good basketball career. Didn't really start playing good basketball until five or six years in. So, I mean, he yeah. was he was not he was a good, late bloomer for yeah, sure. He was not a good basketball player to start his career, but he figured it out. So, I mean, and he was always a heady player. I guess we can see if that translates. I mean, isn't it funny though? Now, how many like former point guards? Right. Are now that's true. Are now coaches Steve Nash, yep, Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups, Ty Lu, oh dang, Nate McMillan, McMillan, Mark Jackson. No, <laughs> um, no, you're right. That is interesting. Um, I didn't even think about that. That is funny. Maybe there's something to that point guard thing, getting head coaching jobs because you know, know they see the floor and all that stuff. But um, we can talk about some of these point guards that do have jobs currently that may have floundered in the playoffs. Um, uh, no foreshadowing there at all, but. Um, so here's my thought on it. I, we, you and I both know Dan Carr, buddy of ours, f- friend of the show, fan of the show, big, Portland big, guy. big, big Portland guy, big Blazers guy. He texted me and he was like, this is what happened. And he goes, Blazers Twitter is very divided. Like it's very much, some people wanted Becky Hammond. Some people wanted, you know, maybe he want, I think he's a, he's a Chauncey fan. He was also a Pistons fan. So he is a big Chauncey fan as sure. well. Um, but I just really wanted to see Becky Hammond there. I really did. And I thought it was her job to, to lose. And I don't think she lost it. I really don't. I, I can't imagine she lost it because she has more experience. She's coached in mm. game, like actual NBA mm. games. I mm. mean, I know summer league, but professional games. And she's coached grown men, grown professionals. And I'm sorry. Like, she was definitely more qualified. There's no question about it. And she coached under the greatest basketball coach of all time. So, I mean, like, if there's anybody that's going to give her – the seal of approval. It's that guy. And maybe it's her job when he leaves and she just needs to stick around in San Antonio. I don't know. Possibly. But all that to say, I'm proud. I'm happy for Chauncey. His name's been thrown out for five years and he finally got a job. Um, but it also didn't sound like it was the job or the guy that Dame wanted either from the stories that I'm reading and things. It was like, I think Dame wanted somebody else. I'm drawing a blank on who he wanted an assistant somewhere. Um, but, yeah, I, we'll see. It it just keeps coming down to these unproven young 
new head coaches who show up with a decent roster. If they keep it, it's a decent roster. I mean, they're getting their shot. Yeah. They might as well take it. Right. You know what I mean? And so. it's a five-year deal you got. So, like, you got five years, man. But if I was Becky Hammond, like, yes, I want a head coaching job. But I am being super picky. That's fair. And it's unfortunate that she has to be super picky. Yeah. But she, in the world that we are, she probably does. Yeah. You know? It, it sucks. Yeah. But I also don't blame her for doing it. No, not because, at all. Because, again, it might suck, but she may only get one shot. Yeah. She deserves more than one, but she may only get one. Right. And so be picky. Get the right one. So the Nets had a really, quote-unquote, deep coaching bench. They this, do. This yeah, I mean, they year. did. I mean, do. Yeah. Yeah, right? So... uh if you were to ask me which one of their assistants was going to get a head coaching job, probably wouldn't have been Udoka, who is now the head coach yeah. of the Celtics. He was very, everything I'm reading under the Popovich tree as well. Yeah. Um, highly regarded. He would have been the guy. And I think what, what Jacques Vaughn was a Nets assistant too. Yes. Those and Mark, yeah. Mark D'Antoni. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those are and the, Mike, right. Mike Those are, yeah. I still don't know. I still don't know if Mike would have been the guy. What, so he, uh, it no. makes sense he doesn't. But yeah, Udoka is definitely high, highly regarded and makes sense that he got the job. Yep. In a team that, by the way... That's a good job. It can be job. a good job. No, and historically, as a, as a um, city, has had some racial issues. Um, owner... Might have had some racial issues. Mm -hmm. No longer there, but former owner Danny Ainge might have had some made some comments that weren't necessarily great. And so they they needed to advance. They needed to grow in that culture. And I think they made a really good hire with what they did um, for another black coach, which this league desperately needed. Yes. Um, needs more representation at the head coaching job for a league that is eighty five percent African American and black players. So great, great hire. Um, but along those lines, and we may just s slide right into this, the first move that Brad Stevens, as the acting general manager and president, or was he is he president or something like that? Yeah. Is he trades his point guard away. Yeah. For for someone he's very familiar with. Very. Al Horford. Yeah. Who didn't really play last year. Right. I mean, he played the first 25 games, mm -hmm. and they mutually agreed to shut him down. They're like, hey, look, we want to, we want our young guys to play. We're not necessarily trying to win. We're building for the future. Sure. Horford's like, I'm going to save my body. Understandable. In those 25 games, though, Horford did look rejuvenated. Yes. He actually looked a lot better than we did with the Sixers, Joel Embiid. He still is 36 years old, though. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. You're, this is probably a... One or two year deal, and then a retirement. Like if I had to, if I had to assume yeah. and guess, um, they traded Kemba in a first for Horford and Moses Brown. Or sorry, did I say that right? Yep. Moses, Moses Brown. Brown. Um, in a second. In a second, I assume Moses Brown may get waived. You know, or and and there may be a scenario where the Al Horford thing might just be a sign in retirement. I don't know what they're going to do. I assume he's going to play at least a year, but who knows? But, I think he'll play. But what what came out after that about the Kemba thing was, and you had brought this up and we both had talked about it, was Brad Stevens said that he traded away Kemba because he wanted to support his two stars, which were Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. There's a history with Boston in terms of superstars, at least recently, where injury history has been a thing. Yes. Let's call a spade a spade. The Isaiah Thomas thing was bad. Horrid. What, horrid. 
I don't want to talk about him getting traded after all, the death of his sister. No, I'm talking about the hip. The hip was awful. He was told, and he came out on a podcast, All the Smoke, with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. He said that he got multiple, had multiple conversations and was never told that it could be a long-term issue. Yeah. And now it's a long-term issue. It ruined his career. It ruined his career. Like, legitimately. Like, Unforgivable. They, they were extremely, like... They ran his numbers were inflated in in Boston, of course, because they ran every single thing, everything, him because they had to. They had no choice, right? And they just you know figured it out defensively without him because he's not a very good defender. But he took extreme advantage of that. And for someone that was five foot nine and who didn't have you know necessarily all the skills in the world, he did great. I mean, he was an MVP candidate. He was an All Star. Yeah. And then you know he comes and he had like a torn hip and they just yeah just were like i don't know you're you're okay like you can't get any worse if you're playing on it and right stuff. literally what they told the guy yeah basically he had described it as like he had some pain in his hip and then like but just played through it and then apparently he was getting treatment for it and like said he felt fine but it was never like you know he just kept feeling some pain but it would go away it would come back it was kind of like it was playable yeah, but then he, but it was either in the off season or was it the playoffs? Where it was the playoffs? It was the playoffs? And yeah. before the playoffs, he said, "Okay, here's the deal. I want to play, but is this going to? What will happen long term if I continue to play?" And they're like, "Oh, like it'll just be some pain, but we can manage it. You'll be fine. You know, in the off season, we'll fix it. Whatever." And False. It was so bad. Yeah. And it, he's never the same. Yeah. And had to go overseas. You know, has has had a couple chances, but not really. And it's just unfortunate. And so. Fast, fast forward to Kemba. Yes. Knee. He's had knee problems since he became a Celtic. Since he became a Celtic. Yeah. And then we have said he has never been the same and been the same Kemba since he got there. Right. And I'm not saying that they're bad at their job. What I'm saying is, is when you have two guys that were superstars for that team. Yes. Or supposed to be superstars. Yes. Who have had lingering injuries and can never get out of never get out of just this rut of not being able to perform because of these injuries. Correct. That has a stain on your organization. Yeah. Like why? I mean, Jalen Brown's hurt. I'm not saying that's the trainer's fault. Yeah. We'll see what happens going forward. If Jalen Brown continues to have lingering injuries, the rest of his boss, then career, you got to start thinking about we it. We have to have questions. We have to have conversations yeah. here, you know, because Kemba, I truly believe was never really healthy. Like he probably shouldn't have played last year bubble or before that at all. Like if you looked and like, <clears throat> so this year, I don't know. I mean, the fit was bad. Here's the thing Brad Stevens, though, said how hard it was to trade Kimbo because he's such a good guy. Welcome I mean, to being a GM, dude. I know. That sucks. You, but you that's have to a do really it. hard transition, though, from being the coach that vouched every day for his players to right. then having to trade some of his favorite people away. You yeah. know? Like, I'm sure it was really hard to trade Gordon Hayward away last season. He loves that guy, like a, like a son. Yeah. But head coaches sometimes have to do stuff, and GMs have to do stuff they don't want to do. And but welcome to the business. You're getting paid a shit ton of money. Hayward he had made, a pretty good season too. He made the right move. Like I think long term, both parties mm. are going to benefit from this. Mm -hmm. But it just sucks that he, Kemba never really feels like he had a fully healthy 100% shot to be a star there. Yeah, like the problem, the biggest problem with Kemba was his contract. Well, that too. Yeah, I mean, massive because if. Because if I told you, hey, Matt, I'm going to trade Kemba Walker for Al Horford. You'd be like, the fuck? <laughs> right? But then you're like, oh, wait, the contracts match because exactly. Horford's contract was awful, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it's shorter. Shorter. So that's why. Which makes perfect sense for them. Yeah, exactly. And one of those is a, one of those, I think it's actually a lot incentive laden. So like one of them actually is so incentive laden that if he doesn't hit a certain threshold, he doesn't even get his option. Right. I think is what I saw. Yeah. So it basically, and I, I saw that it's basically going to be very, very tough to get that option. So it's basically a one year deal that. Yes they can write off the books next year. So they're fine. They got what they wanted to get that horrendous contract off the books for Kemba. Right. And they have a one-year deal. So they did the right thing. It just sucks. Kemba and OKC. That would be interesting. I Here's my prediction. I believe that um, Philadelphia trades with OKC Ooh. to get Kemba to Philadelphia and Ben Simmons helps rebuild in OKC with Shy. Ooh. That'd be fun. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. That's my prediction. That is my hot take of what happens this offseason. Real quick before we move on. Yeah. Just because you brought him up, Ben Simmons and his free throw shooting woes. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious about how Doc Rivers basically said that he has a secret plan this summer. Let's let's hold off until we talk about that game seven okay. because that will that will be brought up. Don't you worry. <laughs> there will be talks about that for sure. But preliminarily, yes, there's laughable. A secret, there's a secret plan. There is a super secret. Nobody knows about it. You, We've never tried it. We've never done it. No one will ever think of this ever again. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, um, it's a joke. But we'll we'll definitely get into that in a little bit. Um, okay, so let's do this. Let's talk about. Let's quickly talk about NBA awards that happened over the past couple of years. Or sorry, past couple of years, couple of weeks. Um, we just have two that we haven't really covered, yeah, right? Yeah, because the other ones we talked about. How are your pockets? They feel Dude, a little heavier. Back up the fucking Brinks truck, Lamelo, <laughs> Rookie of the Year, for a minute. I was worried when he got hurt, but then I saw that nothing... Don't get me wrong. Anthony Edwards had a great year, but nah, I just bro. wasn't worried. And yeah, pockets nah. are heavy, bro. Nah, bro. Stack into the moon. So I'm happy. It's LaMelo. Um, LaMelo, for sure, rookie of the year. And then I think this one's well-deserved, too, just based on what happened with this team, getting Chris Paul to the team and all that. Executive of the year, James Jones. Yeah, they go from a lottery team to winning eight in a row in the bubble to being the number two seed in the NBA to the Western Conference Finals. Got a real good chance of going to the NBA yeah, Finals. Yeah, 3-2 lead. Yeah. yeah. Um, he deserves all the praise. Former player for them. Former player everywhere, but former player for them. Yeah. Um, Always a solid locker room guy. Everybody loved him. Which so. may make for, you know, helpful deals and transactions down yeah. the way, you know? Which, it, you know, sometimes these former players getting into these spots is tough because they now have to trade people that they knew or you know people they were friends with, depending on how old they are. But James Jones always just not a never a superstar, always just a glue guy, a role player, which might be perfect. Isn't that funny? Like think about former coaches or former players who yes. are coaches. There's no superstars. Magic Johnson tried it, flamed oh, right out. Tried Larry, to be a GM too. Larry Bird tried it, flamed, flamed right out. Like it's almost like their brains just work so differently. Michael Jordan, they're, general they're, manager. Yeah. We know how that's going. They're like. Why can't you just do the things that I did? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what superstars think. And yep. They don't think along the lines of us regular folks. Us, us peasants. <laughs> um, no, so both those awards definitely um, well-deserved. Um, okay, let's let's move into the last two things here for, like, housekeeping things. Um, let's talk about the Olympics here. Um, this not, From the outline, this, this list has grown. The 12-man roster has been set. Um... We don't even have them all listed here. I will start to go through them just based off memory. So we've got Middleton, Drew, Holiday. We've got 
Um, KD, Harden is now going to sit out, though, I think is what I saw. Um, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum. Um, Kevin Love. Kevin Kevin Love. Kevin freaking Love. Kevin freaking Love. Um, Bam. I know I'm missing people, but um, uh, let's let's go to a few notable opt-outs, though. Uh, oh, sorry, Devin Booker is one of them. Yep. Um, so, some opt-outs. Steph and CP3. I'm not surprised. Not surprised, right? No. Um, what was there a name that you saw that was an opt-out? Other than that, I think I saw a couple. Harden, obviously, now opting out. I'm not shocked he opts out. He was supposed to be in, and then he opted out. Um, we can talk about another country, Ben Simmons, ben <laughs> opting Simmons. out of Australia. It's part of the secret plan. Part of the, Doc was like, hey, <laughs> listen, <laughs> fuck over Australia. I have a secret plan. I have a secret plan. Do you ever for watch you, the West Wing? For your free throws. What? Do you ever watch the West Wing? Uh, not like religiously, but off and on, yes. For those of you who are listening and watch the West Wing, <laughs> the secret plan to fight inflation. That's what it reminds me of. It's just funny. Okay, so. here we go. Jeremy Grant is the other one. Sorry, these are in. Um, Durant, Lillard. How did I forget Dame? Durant, Lillard, Bradley Beal, Tatum, Devin Booker, Zach Levine. Shout out Zach Levine. Kevin Love, <laughs> Bam Adebayo, Draymond <laughs> Green, Drew Holiday, Middleton, and Jeremy Grant. Um, that's a that's a that's gold a that's a gold medal winning squad just I based on everybody so. else, right? Like it is what it is. I, don't I know if Ben Simmons didn't have a secret plan, then maybe Australia could have. I mean, to be fair, that, they would probably be the second best team. They were getting, you know what yeah. I mean? So um, I think Spain is the other team that like always can be like the runner up, but like yeah. that's about it. Um, I don't really have a whole lot other to add. Um, not shocked at the people that opted out. You knew they were going to opt out. Um, and that's about it. Um, okay, let's talk about quickly the new rules, which uh, I know you love. So talk about those really yes. quick. Yes. You probably know a little bit more about them than I do because you have <laughs> hated them for so long. So the NBA is finally looking at uh, some of these ridiculous things that offensive players do to draw fouls. So um, they're going to be trained, quote-unquote. I, I guess they're not even changing real rules. No. They're just training referees to do things differently. Yeah. So they're training them how to properly officiate, basically, shooters launching or <laughs> leaning into defenders at abnormal angle, angles. So, like, a guy goes straight up or is not even jumping and contests a shot and you see abnormally people just jack the ball up or something in a non-shooting position a way that no basketball player would ever shoot especially an nba player right um they're now going to look into that as possibly an offensive foul or a no call right yes which is how it should be really so there's also shooters kicking out legs at abnormal angles. Happens all the time with jump shooters. Chris Paul does it. Did Luka it three does times it. last night. Yeah, Luca does it. Trey Young does it. James Harden does it. They all do. And it's it's so subtle. Sometimes yeah, you can't sometimes even say it. But it is an unnatural shooting motion. Yep. Um, you know, we've been calling for this for for a couple of years, but yeah. specifically the last two, like seemed like they were just atrocious. Yeah. Um, also I, one more, my no, go favorite for real quick. One of my favorites, offensive player abruptly veers off path sideways or backwards into defenders. That's the Trey young rule. Like, let's just call it what it is. That's what it is. It's, and it's not even the, it's not even that he does it like coming off a screen behind and stops. It's when he's in the open court yeah. and he throws his body into a defender who's just 
cutting them off in the basket. And Chris Paul does that a lot too. Chris Paul does. Yeah, but you're right. It this that you can call that third part just the Trey Young, uh, you know, the Trey Young clause, if you will. Like, and again, I know Joe does. Joe will Joe will hate on this more than I will. Joe is uh, very big on this being outlawed, but like. Trey Young is just doing something that the rule book doesn't tell doesn't penalize him for. You're right. I mean, James Harden was I doing can't... it for a while, and everybody doesn't like James Harden's game either. And his game is getting a little more okay to watch, but it was almost like, oh, James Harden less, Trey Young more. Like we had to have somebody that was now taking yeah. over, you know, that role. Um, however, it's it's all good to change. Um, it needs to change. The one that I obviously had been having harping on was the first one. The fact that guys were facing the sideline and throwing their bodies and getting three point jump shots off a pump fake. There's a difference between if a guy runs at you and decks you while you shoot a three versus you pump fake, he barely moves and you throw your body into him sideways. Like that had to change. Yes. So I'm for all of these rules and the leg kick out. That's a big one too. Yeah. You can basically call the, some of these rules, the, the Steph, Luca, Trey Young rules, like let's and James Harden rules. Like there's a group of guys that we know that do these all the time. Yes, um, and that's why it'll they did be, it. It'll be interesting to see. Trey Young, at his size, was third. I want to say third or fourth in free throw attempts this yeah. year. How much? How much? At almost ten a game. How much does that go down? Or does he adjust? Well. Him adjusting might mean less free throws. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if he's going to have to adjust because you're going to just start wasting opportunity. Like, you're going to just start throwing shots up, and they're not going to get called, and you're going to yeah. have terrible shots. So, I think the number is going to naturally drop, and it may drop enough because he's adjusting. Yeah. Do we see it drop to seven? A game? Yeah, I think. I is that think pretty natural? I, that's what Seven I or eight a game? Yeah, two yeah. or three free throws, two and a half free throws a game. Sure. Less, you'll see. Okay. From him. So. And. But I don't think it's not going to affect Gian- Giannis. Is still going to nope. and Joel Embiid. They're still going to lead the league in free throw attempts. Correct. Yeah, Anthony, they are. Anthony Davis, if he's healthy, same thing. Yep. The, so. Those guys, they use those moves sometimes, but they're more predicated on they just get hacked the shit out of because they're big and they can get to their spots. Yes. You know, so um, they it won't hurt them a whole lot. But great rule change. We, we love it. We love the NBA adapting. The thing I worry about is the, the referees really need to start doing some some muscle memory type stuff where they've got to ingrain this in their head because I don't want them to revert back to, you know, to just like, oh, this is a rule. This is this, you know, that looks like a foul. It, he got hit. It's like, nah, like, remember the rule. If he's facing sideways or if he's Correct. kicking his leg out or if he's going full speed to the basket and then just decides to stop like an unnatural person does, call the foul. <laughs> Or yes. sorry, don't call the foul or call an offensive foul, you know, yes. depending on what it is. Um, so I hope the referees don't revert, that they that they stand consistency, right? Stand consistent and and honestly, just call the rules now. These are new rules. I mean, new rule things to look at, new things to, to watch for. Yeah. So um all that said, good rule. That's housekeeping. We're gonna take a quick break and then we will just talk playoff series um the rest of the podcast. All right, we are back. Um all right, let's let's quickly talk. I know it's been, what, a week, two weeks or so, um, nine days. Let's talk those Game 7s. There were two two Game 7s um, between Milwaukee and Brooklyn and then Atlanta and Philadelphia. Um, one of those games was really good. The other one, not so good. Um, yeah. Let's first talk Milwaukee-Brooklyn, though. Conference semifinals. Um, I know they ended up losing, but Kevin friggin' oh. Durant... 
I mean, that's really all I got to say. So at times right now, he is the best player. No question. Right? Like, all he did in Game 7 in their loss was go for 48 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. 48 points on 36 shots, 10 for 11 from the free throw line. Dude just ran out of gas, man. Oh, the whole team did? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, look at the... They didn't play. They, first of all, their rotation was seven guys. And it wasn't even that. Because in that game seven, Jeff Green only played 13 minutes. And Landry Shamit only played seven. James Harden, playing on a messed up hamstring, played 53 minutes. So the fact that they're able to do this, playing Bruce Brown and Joe Harris, 52 and 47 minutes, to be able to take them to overtime, just shows you how much, I mean, man, Durant. And if they had anything from James Harden, who was 2 from 12 from the three-point line. But that's what Milwaukee does. They're, they're pretty good at closing out. Like, they'll give up those shots, but you don't shoot a good percentage against them, you know? So, like, even Kevin Durant in that wonderful 48-point masterpiece was still only 4 of 11 from the three-point line. Yeah, he... If he wears a size 17 shoe, that game's over. Yeah. I'm being serious. Like, somebody wrote an article, and I don't know how they found this or whatever the hell happened, but basically, he's a size 17 foot, but he wears a size 18 shoe for whatever reason. Maybe he yeah. has more, more feel in his foot, whatever. Well, he hits a three... Well, a two, but would have been a three at the end of regulation right. that ties it, which was incredible. The shot he hit. Absolutely. Turnaround insane. insane. Um and it would have been a three had he had a smaller shoe on, but that's kind of a joke. But the shot he hit in regardless was insane to tie yes. it. Yes. Um also in that game, the play before that that gives Brooklyn the ball, Bud. Draws up a play with like 2.5 seconds left on the shot clock. That one of the options is to get Brooke Lopez the ball in the corner. <laughs> and instead of shooting the ball towards the hoop, he passes it backward or like out towards the three-point line. They don't even get a shot off. Yeah. It's a it's a shot clock violation. They would have been better had he shot it and just actually hit the rim because more time comes off. Correct. On yeah. something like that. Because he Put passed it back. The clock just ends. Yep. Instead, then, you can throw it in two, three, whatever seconds might come off. Yes. Instead, nothing happens, and that gives Brooklyn the chance to then go down and tie it up. Right. So that was laughable. I tell you what. I don't know if it was the Nets and Kevin Durant just playing really, really well, or the Bucks just not playing that great. But I look at these rosters right now, and I think there is no way that this should have been a seven-game series. Am I crazy for thinking that? Do you mean it should have been a domination by by Milwaukee? Yes. When you mean when Harden and Kyrie are both out? Yes. Yes, a hundred percent. Like this should have been a five or six game series yes. in my head. Like yeah, I don't, oh yeah, I don't understand how this went into overtime on a game seven. Yeah, it it was way too close. Didn't need to be this close. There should have been. It should not have been. Game should have been 10, 15 point wins for the Bucks each time out. I understand Kevin Durant went nuclear two games. Good. How did how did anybody else score? Yeah, no, I'm you're just right. being honest. I mean, and they played Harden on one leg. One leg. And and then it's not like he played spot minutes, like 20, 25 minutes. He was playing the entire game. He was playing 40 plus minutes a game. Was that game four? 
that he came back. Yeah. And game four or five that he came back and Milwaukee didn't go at him enough. Yeah. The first game back, he couldn't move laterally. Yeah. And Giannis was, oh yeah, that was the game when Giannis backed him down like twice and hit, tried to hit a turnaround jumper from like 15 feet. What are you doing? On James Harden on one leg. What are you yeah. doing? And then, and then Giannis wasn't guarding KD at times, and he was getting all this flack and whatever. Uh, and you're just like, bruh, this this shouldn't be a series. It's listen, over. Listen, I know how good of a defender P.J. Tucker is and how hard yeah. he works. Like, And I get it. And there are some days where he made Kevin Durant uh, work and look human at times. But when push comes to shove in the last six minutes of a closed game, if you don't have the two-time defensive player of the year, the two-time MVP, like widely regarded as, you know, the best two-way player in the league, aside from shooting, right? Guarding the best scorer in the league, what are you doing? Like, I understand not doing it in the entire game. It's a lot to ask of Giannis. Right? Yeah, for sure. But in the last five or six minutes, like on Durant's last shot to, at the end of regulation, the three-two, the two-three, whatever you want to call it. The size 18 bucket? Yeah. Like, shouldn't that be Giannis on him? Like, you would that, think. just that one possession, right? You would think. So, I don't know. Like, it was very, like, I mean, hey, the Bucks pulled it out great. Sure. Should not have been that close. Yeah. Um, shout out the Bucks, though, regardless. I mean, don't get me wrong. Should have been a five, six game at that point. Um, but they got the stops they needed at the end. And they ended up winning. But I I have questions mm-hmm. about Steve Nash. He didn't do well. No. He had some blunders. Yes. Um, playing Kevin Durant 45, sorry, 48, 42, 45 minutes, expecting him to be able to live up to a overtime game in game seven with no legs after that point. And that's a huge ask, right? Huge. A guy two years removed from an Achilles surgery, which by all intensive purposes is the worst injury for a basketball player. Right. There's And somebody brought this up. I want to say it was, oh, shoot, who? Oh, Steven Jackson. He said, there are ways within a game to give Kevin Durant rest, even if he's on the floor. Yeah. And that's post him up a little bit. You know, don't make him bring the ball up and then work in the high post every every possession. Yeah. Put him in the post. Or hell, say, hey, Kevin, this ain't your time. For for five minutes, you know, you're just going to kind of be out there, but we're going to run the offense through X, Y, Z, whomever. Instead, it was Kevin Durant brings the ball up. Kevin Durant touches the ball in every spot on the floor. He hits threes. He hits cutting jumpers. And maybe they had to do that to be able to be competitive. But I can tell you that if you want to do it over – he needed legs in game seven or even game six, and he didn't have them. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're absolutely right. And like, and hide him defensively, too. Yes. Yeah, legitimately. If, it every, wasn't like every, the Bucs were. It every time Pat Connaughton's in the game, that's your matchup. It wasn't like the Bucs were world beaters offensively. I mean, they no. scored in their wins, they scored 86, 107, 104, and 115, and that's an overtime. I don't understand. Like, I sat there and watched all seven games. I don't understand the Bucks' offense. Yeah, it, from what happened from Miami to Brooklyn in that series. Now I think we're finding out that Miami was really a pretender and nowhere close to a contender. But what happened offensively from that game to that game with a defense that was atrocious, by the way. Yeah, Brooklyn still 
at the end of the year, bottom 10 defense. Yes. And they made this offense look putrid. But I don't even, like, if you ask me what's what's the Bucks' offensive philosophy, what are they good at? Three-point shooting? Yeah, sometimes. But they don't really work to look get those looks, you know what I mean? It's just kind of Giannis driving and then, like, making a play and kickbacks. And then sometimes Middleton will go into isolation and shoot a, you know, right a, a three-pointer. Drew Holiday, the exact same thing. So, um, hey, but you know what? At the end of the day, they won it, I guess. Yeah, they definitely did. So. Um, yeah, we can say whatever we want, and I obviously have my reservations about Steve Nash. His rotations were odd. Um, he didn't call timeouts at times, you know, like when the offense was breaking down and Kevin Durant has the ball right near him and he realizes that whatever he wants to do isn't going to work, and instead he just doesn't call timeout and lets it go. Those are things that, as a rookie head coach, you will learn from. Yes. However... They don't have a whole lot of time. No. Uh, no. I'm not saying you fire him. Of course not. But is there a conversation like, hey, man, we can't have these blunders next year. We he's, can't have these blunders in year three if he if he makes it that far. He's got to – the pressure's on they have to win the title next year. Yeah. Like I'm not saying they have to get to the Eastern Conference Finals next year. I'm saying they have to win the title next year. And – is was there a better year for them to win it than this year? Absolutely not. I, you don't have you it's, didn't have to go through the Lakers. You didn't have to go through the Jazz. You may not have to go through the Clippers if they would have made it to the finals. Correct. And yeah. then in the Eastern Conference, you wouldn't have had to go through Philly. You went through Miami. Um, there might not be an easier path than this year, and yet they're going to have to do it all again next year, and it may be infinitely tougher. Yeah, and we know that you know. The other thing is, this is a new team, and there's always hype with it. They very rarely pan out their first year, so it'll be interesting to see how they are next year. Sure, if and when they're fully healthy as well too, and and everything. But you know, I mean, everybody should be more healthy next year than they were right? this year. So, um, I think it was Broussard had said like. He had picked the Nets when they made the trade that they were going to win the finals. And yeah. a lot of people did. He wasn't the only one. Yeah, I did not. You but did not. We, I did not. Yeah. Um, but he also said that he's kind of relieved they didn't win because he was worried about the landscape of the NBA because historically teams have to go through, have we said, they go through their lumps. Milwaukee yes. has to lose a couple times before they get to where they want to go. Philadelphia is still going through those lumps. Um, LA, the team they had, didn't necessarily go through the lumps, but uh, LeBron's sorry, first year right, they, they did. did. Yeah. Sorry, LeBron's yeah. first year. I forgot about his first year. Jeez. So most teams go through struggles. The fact that Brooklyn would have just put a team together and been able to, to win the title might have sucked. Yeah, I mean, even LeBron when he went to Miami didn't do that first year. Did it sucked? Yeah. So it's almost a blessing that they didn't do it. And I'm not rooting for them. I want to make that very clear. I'm I'm not the I'm not a fan of the Nets. I think they they don't take the regular season seriously, which may have came back to bite them in the ass. And they clearly thought that they could just waltz in and and because they had three superstars get it together and they yeah. damn, they were close. They were. But I think the right team won based on what the work they put in and the team how they built it. So, I'm happy, but damn it, that game 7 was awesome. It was it was wonderful. Contrary but, to the other one. Oh my goodness, I have so many things to say about the Philadelphia 76ers yeah. right now. So You guys. <laughs> 
Go for it. You go in. Go in. This was your shot. Like this was your year. This was your chance. Like, and you can't get past the Hawks. Like, let me ask you something. In that series, you have which team look like the playoff tested team? So, which team of the Hawks and the Sixers in that series look like the team that had been there before? Atlanta. Yeah. Inexcusable yeah, to me. Right. Inexcusable because they've gone through the heartbreaks. They've. Correct. You know, they lost to Kawhi on that crazy jump shot. Correct. They had, you know, a great run with uh, Jimmy Butler. They last year they flamed out in the playoffs. Right. This was to me was their year. Like at no, least no to question. get to the Eastern Conference Finals and possibly, you know, the NBA Finals. Like no question. It was there for them. So like to go through games, games, plural, where you only have two people scoring in a single half. And Embiid playing on one leg, sure. And and uh, Seth Curry, what the hell is going on? So, I'm gonna let you do the Ben Simmons portion because I have my thoughts, but I think okay. we share a lot of them. Yeah. You, um, you know who else disappeared that series though? That this is the guy I was gonna talk about. Okay, go ahead. This yeah. guy seems to be skating skating scotch free here. He because, really is because of how bad Ben Simmons played. Yeah. Tobias Harris was non existent. Absolutely right. Like here's the and here here's why I might why I might almost say that Tobias Harris deserves more I agree. of the blame. No, I absolutely agree. Because Tobias Harris is supposed to be relied on as a twenty point per game score. Yes. We know Ben Simmons' limitations. Yes, Ben Simmons We know that knows. he has more. Yeah. You know, he has more than Tobias Harris does, but he has limitations. Yeah. Ben Simmons is is an 18 and, and 9 guy with a with a 50 48% free throw shooting percentage and 18 we know that. by accident. Sure. 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 Yeah, still 18. Yeah. What happened with Tobias Harris is surprising and shouldn't happen ever because He's not that limited. No. So I will let you go in on Ben Simmons, but I want to make very clear here. They both sucked. But Tobias Harris is not getting talked about, and it deserves way more way more attention at how bad he was. It really does. Like, he, yeah, you're right. He is skating by, and people are forgetting about that. You say Joel Embiid and Seth Curry are the only ones to score and a half. My first thought is, my first thought is, well, what about Tobias Harris? Was he hurt or something? No. Um, exactly. Doc Rivers deserves blame as well too, like to not be able to get your guys to to play, to to be at home for a game seven and to lose like they lost. It's just like you said, it's indefensible. I mean, they legitimately were just going uh, and bead and bead and bead, and he was getting worn down and he was tired and like to not have Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons, you know, step up and do that. And Seth Curry balled out. Right. Seth Curry, great shooter, limited in other areas though. Sure. Can't necessarily create his own shot. He has to have a screen or something like that. Correct. A hundred percent. So like 
And that makes it so much easier for the Hawks and McMillan to game plan for that. You're right. It did. Yeah. So you needed, you had to have Tobias Harris in isolation. You had to be able to score in isolation. And I thought the Sixers had that because of Tobias Harris. Correct. Like Ben Simmons obviously did not play well to the point where like he was so shaky that he passed up open layups that he shouldn't have. Correct. Like, but Tobias Harris, in my opinion, like you said, is worse because like in the playoffs, you have to be able to score in a variety variety of ways. You don't necessarily rely on Ben Simmons to do that. You damn sure rely on Tobias Harris to do that. No doubt. I just think the entire thing was just atrocious, man. Like they just, mm, they just blew that. And is it time to blow it up then? Well, we're going to find that out. I mean, would you? Oh, I've been on the bandwagon that I, I don't think Ben Simmons and Ben yeah. Simmons and, and Embiid work. Yeah. I and here's why, because at the root of their games, they both have to operate down low. Mm. I mean, unfortunately, in different ways, in different ways, but they both need space down low. And one of them, Embiid, is infinitely better. So I thought it would work if you surround them with shooters. Which they tried. Which they tried. But really, when you think about it, it was two shooters. Yeah. Three, if you want to count Danny Green, who missed that series, which I think probably makes a really big difference. We'll never know. And maybe it does. I don't want to say really big. I know what you I'm mean. sorry. But it like, makes a difference. Yes. There's there there's lo- a loss there. Yes. But like, they didn't have bench scoring this year. Nope. They weren't deep. Like, thigh ball, great defender. But like, inconsistent shooting. 100%. So really, you were relying on a team with two guys, your two stars, who you know you can't can't shoot. Correct. And do the same thing. And you surround them with so-called shooters. Okay, Seth Curry, great. Great pickup. Tobias Harris, disappeared. Danny Green, injured. Yeah, you're right. And, and then that's the result you get, I guess. Yeah. Still shouldn't have happened, though, man. It was unforgivable. I, not to mention, up 15 in one game. Yes. Up, what, 20-something in another game? Yes. You cannot. You cannot lose those. You just can't. So... They've got to do something. I like I said. I told you what I thought. What they're gonna do. My prediction is that they trade for Kemba and OKC. I don't know how they're gonna do it. I don't know if the money works, but I think Kemba there would be good because again, he's a scoring threat. He's a playmaking threat, which they need. He doesn't take up the space for um, for Embiid at all. And you can still have Tobias. You can still have your other shooters. You're gonna have to work the roster another way. But but Seth Curry has shown that he's he's a viable addition for that team. What a trade they made to get Josh Richardson out of there to get Seth Curry. Um, but they have to make a move. I know they said that, like you said, there's a secret plan that Doc Rivers has apparently. Um, the secret plan is he's getting his ass traded. Um, the the secret plan is they're gonna work behind the scenes to find a trade partner for him. You think so? I think so. No, sorry. That's a joke. I don't think that's what the secret plan is, but I do believe yeah. that they're going to make a trade at some do point. You? Yeah, I do. I think they will. But, like, I, I, I think you're probably right. I just I just can't get over that they lost to the Hawks because, yeah. like, and credit to the Hawks. Like, they're not playing, like, first-time playoff people. Not, no, not at all. 
they're playing hard and gritty and they're not scared of the moment. The Bucks are better than them, as we're finding out. Yeah. But like, you know, I mean, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, kudos to them. Kudos to Nate McMillan, man, for taking over a squad that was terrible at the beginning of the year. And he 100%. comes in, goes 28 and 13 in the regular season yep. after they were below 500 and out of the playoffs. Yeah. You know, takes them back. And then now Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, great job, Nate McMillan. You yeah, know. he deserves all the credit um, okay. for what he's done there. Or, sorry, he deserves all the the praise that he's going to get for what he's done there. Yeah. Um, yeah, unforgivable loss for Philadelphia, and and you almost kind of feel like that might have been it, right? Like that was, again, the year you think you're the number one seed. You've got, uh, at one point, an MVP candidate and maybe would have been the MVP had he not get hurt. And, you know... But the, the problem about the playoffs is the playoffs shows your glaring weaknesses at some point. Yes. And they found their glaring weaknesses, Ben Simmons, unfortunately. He's unplayable in the fourth at, at late in the fourth because they're going to foul him. He's he's non-existent at times because he's disconnected because he doesn't want to shoot or attack. To me, that's the that that's the biggest issue. Yeah. Is like the difference between him and Giannis more so is that Giannis, even though he Giannis could go over seven from the free throw line, right. he's still going to attack. Correct. Like he's still going to the basket and he's still going to hard. Yeah. He's an Ben he's Simmons a, will not do that. Giannis is a guaranteed most nights thirty and fourteen, thirty and fifteen every night. Yeah. Regardless of the three the free throw or the three point shooting. Right. The difference is Ben Simmons, I don't know if he could be that, but he could probably be twenty and whatever. I mean, I don't care if he misses ten foot shots. Of course not. I wanted him to take the ten foot shot, and the fact that he was getting to the rim and getting to layups and passing them out because yes. he was afraid of getting fouled or missing or whatever, yeah, just shows you all you need to know. Like he's broken mentally, yeah. and he needs he needs some help. And here's the thing: I love Ben Simmons. I've told you this yeah, multiple you this. times. Love I love his game. I love his rebounding. I love his defense. I love his passing. Yeah, you have to fix this though. Yes, but Doc Rivers' secret plan. You want to hear about it? Yeah. What's the secret plan? Okay. Don't play for Australia. <laughs> Get better. Quote, Doc Rivers, quote, I believe, without going into detail with what we're doing, of course you I believe we know what the right work is and the right type of work and the right way to do it. You can do the work all the time, but if it's not done in the right way and the right type of work, you may not improve. Oh, nice. After being here for a year, I really do believe we've identified what and how, and now we have to do the part. We have to work to do it. It's not going to be an easy job, but it's definitely a job that Ben can do. Is this the same staff that had Markel Fultz at one point too? <laughs> I'm just saying. Sorry, was that was that it's mean? So, was that no, wrong? No, it's okay. just so funny. Like, How vague is it, that? It really is like a secret plan. Like, it wasn't even a plan. No, no, he's just like, well, we know the work. We're not going to tell you what he has to do. It was the most we vague what... roadmap to get somewhere ever. It was like, hey, I'm going to tell you how to get to this restaurant, but I'm not going to give you any details. I'm not going to tell you the name <laughs> of the restaurant. I'm also not going to tell you what roads to take. It's a secret. But. When you get there, that restaurant's going to be really good. It's a, if you get to that restaurant, it's going to be really good. It's a I, secret. Yeah, but it's a secret. Secret it's plan. A, secret plan. Oh, my inflation. God. I just, hashtag West Wing. Yeah, hashtag West Wing. Um, okay, let's move on from Game 7s and talk about some actual conference finals here. Um, let's just focus on the last two games that have happened. Let's first start. Um, well, I guess we can give the series, you know, series where it stands, and then let's talk about the last games that have happened. So let's first talk Clippers, Suns. Um, now three, two was three, one as of, you know, the start of the game last night. Um, storyline, 
Paul George and, and two role players really played well. And Paul George played incredible. So I was thinking about this today. Paul George did play incredible. Yes. And you know me, we always go down like who are the best players in the series. Yeah. The the Suns had the best players in the series. Like Paul George, you can call him the best player in the series. I think he probably is the best player in the series, right? Right now, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then you go down the line, and I think CB3, Booker, Aiton, right now are all better than anybody the Clippers have, right? Again. CB3, Booker, Aiton. Can I say something that might piss you off? No, go ahead. I think Reggie Jackson is playing I better than Chris Paul say right that. now. No. And and I and I can't disagree. I'm I'm talking from a historical standpoint, oh, oh, I guess. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, okay. Yes. Oh, the God. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But I'm saying, like, in your head. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. When the series starts, you go, okay. Okay. Who are the top four players? One. Minus Kawhi. Yeah, minus Kawhi. Kawhi right. Obviously gone. Three of them. It's three to one. Hundred percent. In that sense. Now let's fast forward to where we are now. Yeah. And I just don't know, like, I mean, you you tweet it. Is Reggie Jackson good? I don't know. I don't know. So, like, at any point, like, here's the thing. At any point, I saw Marcus Morris back down Devin Booker multiple times last game and then shoot these fadeaways. Are you convinced that they can do that every time? Like, are you convinced those are good shots for Marcus Morris? Because I was looking at it, I was like, okay, he's on. That's great. But is that something that they can consistently do? You know what I mean? So I guess when it comes down to it, the Clippers are going to play really, really hard, and they're going to play well. He's doing just pushing all the right buttons right now, by the way, which is huge. But do you trust Paul George's teammates? You know what I mean? Coming, Going game six and game seven. Like, or are you going to trust CP3, Booker, and Aiden? That's that's the question to me. So that's why I still think, like, don't get me wrong, the Suns have to play well. Like, Monty Williams even said it after the game. He said, we, we can't give them anything. Like, we can't just show up and expect to win. That's not how this right. is going to work. But I just still think the Suns have more talent. Yeah. Except one of those pieces that's supposed to be their talented point guard is not playing well. No, Chris Paul is not playing well. However, last night there were moments where he would abuse whoever he got in the pick and roll. Morris, the big um, Batum, mm-hmm. whomever. Because, by the way, I want to point out, last night they did not have Zubac, who, yeah. by the way, if you ask me, like, is he an impactful player, the answer is no. But he has been, he was impactful in game four. Yeah. And it forces the Clippers to go really small when Zubac isn't there. Might have helped him. And it helped them last night. They went zone, and Phoenix looked lost for the first eight minutes when they were playing zone. Yeah. So Chris Paul had a really bad first half in game five. Like, there's a few jump shots where I thought, oh, that's in. Yeah. And he he shanked him. His three-point jump shot is short on a lot of things, and I don't know if that's age slash legs, whatever. Yeah. His shoulder still, man. Shoulder still, too? I bet bet that's part of it. So your question that you ask, do I trust these Clippers, the role players, his uh, Paul George's teammates, to show up? My answer is I don't have any choice but to trust them because first series against Dallas, what was the only reason they won game six and seven? Because Marcus Morris was seven of ten from three, and he had 28 points. Yeah. Reggie Jackson had seven 20-point games in the regular season. He has ten in the playoffs. 
Yeah. I'm not saying that these guys are superstars. I'm not saying that I would trust them in the regular season, but I don't really have a choice but to trust them this year. I mean, so far right now, I mean, it's a bad bet to bet against them, right? And DeMarcus Cousins but came in last night. But they are role players. Of course. And role players do what? Ro- or home games, maybe. They played really well on the road they last didn't. night. They're about to be home tomorrow night. Yeah. I, I said it was cliche, but if you got game five, you got to think, okay, we're back home. Game six, we shouldn't lose at home. We got role players at home. Then your game six, you have this thing right where you want it. If you are, I was thinking about this earlier too. If you have two teams that are really pretty even, yeah, or at least like going down 3-1 isn't that big of a deal necessarily or going down 2-0. Rosillo actually just talked about that in his podcast today. He said a lot of times the desperate team, 3-1, if they're even, yeah, if can really claw this thing back. Yes. Because the desperate team is always going to fight harder, play not better, it's but play harder. It's just psychological, right? 100%. So if it you was have the two LeBron teams, thing in 2016. Yeah. Same thing. So if you if you have two teams that are really even, or you know another team really thinks they have a chance and they're down three one, yep, they're probably going to get it to three two. And guess yep. what? They're probably going to be at home for game six. Guess what? They're probably going to get game six, and then game seven, you just don't know. That's the but that's I, the thing. But I just think like in game seven, and I could be totally wrong because you're right. So far in the playoffs, I, we have been wrong about the Clippers. I just think even if it gets to a game seven, if you just ask me, Paul George, yeah. Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris, or CP3, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, I'm taking the latter. I'm taking That's, those and, four. And you're not wrong when you just look at it on paper. You're not wrong. I can't argue that. The only thing I'll just say is we've seen it all playoffs that this Clippers team does not, when they get punched, they punch right back and sometimes punch harder. Mm. And I'm not saying that Phoenix is Dallas or um, yeah, whomever. Yeah, they're, they're better. They're definitely better. Yeah. Or or Denver, or sorry, or Utah. Um, but this is almost the same blueprint. It's a little different because they didn't come back 2-2 and tie everything up. But they're when they're desperate, they're dangerous. It's like the Nuggets last year. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and someone wrote, I think it was um, Zach Lowe. He wrote an article today, or it dropped today, that basically said, the question about the Clippers was, can they, if what happened last year against Denver, was that going to haunt them for years to come? And I think we got our answer. The answer is no. Right. They're not afraid about going down in series and might have actually thrived because of that. And now they're like, oh, well, we've, we've actually had this happen before. Let's fix it and let's, thrive in it i'm not saying we want to go down 3-1 or 2-0 or whatever Mm -hmm. but here we are 3-2 tomorrow night a really good chance to tie this thing up and then in a game seven all bets are off and i do think that phoenix obviously can rely on being at home and doesn't necessarily need to be desperate and it's still the clippers but you gotta wonder if we don't get cp3 good enough this is a this is a team the clippers can absolutely beat I think CP3's shoulder is really bothering him because it's his long-range shots that are yes, off right now. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, if he gets within 10, 15 feet, he's fine. Most of takes over and everything like that. Anything longer than that, he's struggling with. So I think there's something to say about that. And uh, so are you taking the Clippers? Tomorrow night. No, I'm saying in, uh, overall in the series, like right now. No, because I had Suns in seven. This is what I predicted. Okay. No, I didn't predict it was going to go 2 0 3 one 3 2 you know, yeah. like that, but... I had Suns in seven, so 
I you, do think. So you think the Suns will pull it off in Game Seven? Well, no, it's just what I picked. No, I'm okay. just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm worried. I really am. Um, yeah. What I've seen since Chris Paul came back is not good. I don't know. I just. Think, I know they got that know. one. Yeah. But I just don't like it. Okay. I'm nervous. Um, I, I do trust them at home in a game seven. Yeah. Because if we're being honest, yesterday wasn't a must win for them. No. But you I wanted it. Yeah. I mean, but it wasn't a must win. The you know you have they, three games in hand essentially. If they played or two games in hand. Yeah. If they played Monday, if they didn't come out just like trash like they did. Yeah. Down down ten. Sure. Like. Then, then it's anybody's game. I mean, but at isn't that, point. that? But hold on, I agree. You're not. I mean, of course. Like generally, you're not wrong. But isn't the fact that you're an M, you guys are in the pros and zone is more prevalent than ever? They just they just looked like they'd never seen zone before with Chris Paul at a point guard position. Right. How are you not prepared for that? You think that they're going to go man to man with Aiden down there and you but don't have that, Zubac? But now that they have a game, sure. We'll see. But if Zubac come back, then they're not running zone again. Right. So I don't know. I I just was disappointed at how they came out because it was like they had never seen zone before and that was dumb. Like Yes. And also, Aiden only got nine shots. That's what I was just I knew where say. you were going. Yeah. Unacceptable when the when the Clippers go small. And when Zubak is out. And Zubak's out. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason for him. He needs twenty shots minimum. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I Chris Paul, eight for nineteen, oh for six from three. And they let Demarcus Cousins get fifteen points. <laughs> this is remember I had we we talked about yeah. this before the playoffs. I said I'm worried about the backup big for the Suns. Yeah. I actually talked about him at the trade deadline trading for one because Sarich on Cousins is absolute child's play. <laughs> I, I've never so been a child's play. I've never been a Sarich fan. Anyways, I mean he fits his role. I guess kind of. Yeah. I. But anyways, I'm worried, but I have Suns in seven, so I'm I'm sticking to my guns. But I do believe the Clippers win tomorrow night. And I also would like to see them play uh, uh, Tory Craig more. He's he's a nice little spark. I just don't think he is good enough offensively. I think he is. Mm, he's a really good defender on Paul George. Yeah, he was. Paul George also gave him, you know, yeah, forty. So he wasn't Paul, the primary defender, obviously. But Paul George is ridiculous. Golly, fifteen of twenty. Seventy-five percent. Yeah, forty-one points. Somebody Nuts. somebody sent me a text today. And it was the thing I saw on I saw it on um, first things first today. You know he he's got this run that he could go on that's like in the same likes of Jordan. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. Kobe, Jordan. I want to say somebody else too, because of like how he's playing. But then there's a flip stat where he's one of like four people to have eleven games in the playoffs where he shoots twenty five percent or less. Yeah. So he's the complete feast or famine player. You're yes. going to get nights where he goes for 41 and looks incredible. You also may get a clunker where he shoots 25% and only has 20 points because he gets to the line seven times. Well, so does he have a clunker in the na- these next two games? He, he Well, I mean, <laughs> he can't have one. I know, but I'm he saying might. if he could, yeah. And it could be game seven. And yeah. that would – I love the guy. I, I understand the slander. He has deserved it. But man, it would suck if he had a clunker in Game Seven after what he's done for this team to like, get them to where they are. I like Paul George, so too. it sucks. I do. But but that's the NBA. That's the grueling thing is it yeah. can it can switch on a dime. Yeah, they, yeah that's that's a fun series. It man. is a fun series, and 
Let's switch over to the other series, which is there one started out is there fun, another one? Started out fun and then is not so fun right now. So this this is what I expected the Sixers to do yes. to the Hawks. Correct. What I feel like they still should have done. And it's, you know, Trey Young can go for 30, 35. He can do those things. The Hawks are gonna play hard. They're they're not scared of anybody. We've seen that. But like just talent wise. I feel like the Sixers should have done this, and Milwaukee's doing it right now, is that they're just better. Drew Holiday, for all his problems offensively right now, his their their defense on Trey Young has been great. Yes. And uh and now he's not even playing tonight. So like Right. You know, that 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 series is over. Hawks had a great run. Yeah. So the, the the one they lost game two, three, when they were when they were up and then Middleton went nuts in the fourth quarter. Bonkers. He went bonkers and and that's all credit to Chris Middleton. He went nuts in the fourth. He, yeah. Think, what do you have? Twenty points or something in the fourth? Yeah. Two nights ago. Or sorry, two nights ago. Yeah. Game four. Was that game four? No, they went up two one at that point. They were only up two to one. They were was, only up two to one. Yeah, right it was one to one. Remember, because they won. Okay. They yeah. won game. Or they lost game one and then won the next two. Game That's four right. is tonight, right? This is okay. only game four. Okay. So it feels like it's over. But yeah. um, so yeah. in game three, I mean, I'm looking at the, the score line here. Atlanta wins the first quarter. They're tied after the second. They're up two going into the third, and they got outscored by 13 in the fourth. And a lot of that was the last six minutes. Yeah. And Trey got hurt, and I get it. Like, he wasn't the same. Um, but sucks to lose that one when you were – damn near in the game and, and had it right there. You did. And then Chris Middleton goes bonkers and nobody can guard him, and then you're done within, like, three minutes. It's over. Yes. Um, a stat I saw from, I want to say it was StatMuse, um, Trey Young's total drives in each game has dropped by 40% each game. 15, or maybe not maybe not 40%, that might have been the right number, but it was 15 drives, or maybe it was, no, sorry, 21 drives, 15 drives, nine drives to the basket in game three. Some of that might be the ankle, but he's settling for deep, deep threes, and they're not going in at, at all. I think he's hitting like 20-something percent from three from, from those shots. He's just, he's afraid because it's physical now. Yeah. He's afraid. He, he, you not said that it. he admitted that he was afraid or whatever, but basically he came out and said, well, if they're going to guard me like that, then like there's we're going to have nights like tonight. And, or if the refs are going Correct. to allow me to allow them like that, allow yeah. them to guard me like that, then which I mean, you know what, Trey? Like, it's playoff basketball, man. It is. Like, this is what the Sixers probably should have done to you. Like, Correct. Ben Simmons' length bothered Trey Young a little bit until they got him, you know, screened out of the way, and then Ben Simmons didn't recover or things didn't happen. They weren't as physical. No, however, Milwaukee has way more versatile defenders than Philadelphia they does. Do. Drew Holiday is a great yeah. defender. Yeah, and then you can switch him on to Giannis, or you can switch yeah. him on to P.J. Tucker. And Middleton's a great defender. Middleton, at times, is a really good defender. If yeah. I'm if I'm the Hawks, I would have tried to put Pat Connaughton in the pick and roll every time. But, yes. but, but Milwaukee is so good at switching, and they, man, they manipulate how you can switch that screen, that they Correct. were always getting Trey Young on a really tough matchup. Right, and then you have to you have to now go into Brook Lopez, who I'm not saying he's a phenomenal defender, but when you shoot fl- trying to shoot floaters, and this big dude is now down there, it's not easy. Right. So Milwaukee's just better defensively, yes. and is better prepared defensively and more physical, and Trey Young's going to suffer because of that. Yeah. So 
Well, I mean, we say he suffered and he still had 35 points. But you know what? I mean, it's not efficient. Like, it, it, it's efficiency. Yeah. I mean, he had 35 points on 23 shots. He was 6 of 14. Yep. And he got to the line only six times in, in that last game. So, like, they're doing things with him. And then Collins and Capella trying their asses off against They're playing Giannis. really well. Yeah. But Giannis is still, had, still has 33 on 21 shots, 11 rebounds. But that was the Chris Middleton game. Boy, that, that, that fourth quarter was fun, dude. Let's talk about Chris Middleton for a second. Heard this stat, too. They are, the Bucks are undefeated when Chris Middleton, I think, has 18 points or more. Just 18? And let me pull up the stat. It's Oh, damn. I don't know exactly what it was. If you would have told me, like, 25, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But 18? Hold on, hold on. Maybe maybe that was low, but... But essentially, anytime he goes bonkers, or sorry, doesn't go six for twenty-three, they win. Yeah. But Chris Middleton is known for being very inconsistent at times. He's and hot he, and cold. He's very hot and cold. Yeah, tricky the problem is, is they're so good when he's hot, but they're so bad when he's cold. And so, yeah. Let me see if I can find this. Um, oh, the stat about Paul George. Sorry, I'm going to go back to that really quick. That stat about Paul George. 20-plus points in 18 straight games to start a postseason in NBA history. The only other, the only people to do that, Paul George in 2021, KD, Kobe, MJ. That's it. Mm. All of them have titles. No LBJ. And no LBJ. Well, he didn't start his way, his career that way, 18 straight. But yeah. um, hold on, hold on. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. It was Kevin Wilds on First Things First brought it up. And I think he said... Okay, sorry, I was completely off with my stat. But the Bucks are undefeated when Middleton shoots 40% or better. Not mm. not like, you know, 60, 50. All he has Just to do 40. is not have a clunker. Yeah. Shoot 40% or better and they're undefeated. That's crazy, man. So, also kudos, don't say this a lot, to Budenholzer in that fourth quarter, sitting low plays, playing Bobby Portis. Yep. We called for that too. Brooke Lopez in in that game. Game three, minus 17. <laughs> he's been really bad. <laughs> it's just a bad matchup for him. Dude, Paul, he's plus minus in that game? Yeah, I am. I was getting ready to. <laughs> Go. So, Pat Connaughton. <laughs> no. But really, Bobby Portis. Yes. Huge for them. Seven of 12. Yeah. In 16 minutes. Because he can match up. Like, if him and Giannis are there, they can match up just fine and not give up any rebounding. Correct. On Capella and uh, Collins. Like, that's that's fine. Yeah, you also have to kind of just like, just like some players, you have to be okay with like getting 20 points. You also have to just have to be okay with Capella getting 10 plus rebounds because he's going to do that it's in his sleep. It's going to happen. So like, as long as you don't let him get 19 as he did in game one or, tw- yes. you know, 20 plus. Yes. You're f- and as long as it's only five offensive rebounds, then you're fine. Like, well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, Bucks had 15 offensive rebounds. There you go. Connaughton, four of those. Hey, great. Show up after you miss a three point yeah. by. Plus 25. Five feet, you know? Yeah, but he's plus 25. He was plus 25, bro. Which is where plus minus yeah. is just sometimes a completely such a skewed stat. No, it really is. He did play 32 minutes, though, so that that's a little different. But it is who you're on the floor with, and he probably was on the floor with Bobby Portis at times. P.J. Tucker, Middleton, you know what I mean? Like, he's benefiting Correct. from a really, really good defensive lineup. But yeah. it is what it is. The numbers are there. I mean, yeah, hey, if your team is better with you on the court, then they're better with you on the court. 100%. I mean, that's really what it Which comes down to, Which is why Brooke Lopez so. gets his ass on the pine and Bobby Portis plays 16 minutes, you know? Yeah. Which we called for. I don't know if we called for it on the pod, but you and I talked separately, and we're like, hey, we got to get this Brooke Lopez guy out and put Bobby Portis in. You do. I mean, I understand so, he has value in 
minutes, but he shouldn't be playing more than 20 minutes a game. Oh, not. especially not in this series. So, it just yeah. isn't, like you said, it's just not a good matchup. Right. Um, and when you have bad matchups, sometimes Budenholzer historically has not adjusted and he just wonder rides his guys. wonder if he's learning that after that, how much more difficult that net series was than he needed to be. Because I mean, look at the best three players on the team. 42 minutes, 41 minutes, and 40 minutes. Yeah. That never happened previously. Right. So... So I think he, you know, hopefully he's he's learning that because like like I said, in that net series, the Bucks like you basically had Kevin Durant and Joe Harris, fifty percent James Harden, Bruce Brown. Oh jeez. Mike and, James at times. Mike James. And that's like, Yeah. Against the Bucks and they took him to seven. And you had Joe Harris who missed every shot he took. Yeah. It was, it, again, we keep harping on it. They should not have been anywhere close in that series. No. Didn't make sense. No. So, um, score tonight, first quarter, Hawks up eight Ooh. in the first quarter. They're a little let down there. Chris Middleton, so. one of six. I'm just saying. It's so he inconsistent. Off, I know, but he started off terrible last game, too. He did. He did. But. And then just went bonkers. Yeah, well, we'll see if that happens. Brooke Lopez just got a foul, though, so get him out. I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> but kind of, because I'm not kidding. Chris Middleton already has two turnovers, too. Yeah, well, not great. Um, PJ days. Tucker, high score with eight points. Not something you see every day for the for the Bucks. Probably not something you want if you're the Bucks. <laughs> Probably not the ideal plan. Yeah. Um, who wins tonight? You still think the Bucks win? Yeah. Okay, me too. Um, so they'll go up three one, and we already said that series was over. Probably in five, but five or six for sure. Yeah. There's no I way think that's so. that's good. I said Bucks in six originally, but obviously with injuries and stuff, um, probably Bucks in five now. Um, anything else? I think we got it. I think that's it. Yeah, man. We are close. We, of the four teams left, yeah, only the Bucks have ever won a title. Oh, that's right. We're getting a new champion, baby. Most likely. Well, I mean, the Bucks, 1971, that doesn't count, right? Yeah, they, yeah that definitely doesn't count. Um, okay, you, you have Suns? I have Suns. Overall? Okay. Do. do they win tomorrow night, or do they win game seven, you think? Ooh, I thought they were going to win in six. Is what I picked. I'm going to stick with it. Okay, so you think they win on the road in, in Los Angeles? I have I Suns in seven, and then I have Bucks in six. But we both could be right with our Bucks in the finals pick. We were we stuck to that. We believed yeah. it. It was a long road, but we believed it. Um, I think that's it. We good? Yeah, man. All right, man. Well, that is going to do it for another episode of In the Paint. We will hopefully not take as long in between each of these, but we will have an NBA Finals at some point very soon. Um, in the next week, I would assume we'll have a finals matchup. So we'll be back to talk about that. But um, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, guys. the only one who knows what you're fighting for. I got what you want. I got what you need. I got what you need. I got what you need. I got everything.